0: Hey, my name's Emma.
1: Hey, my name's Maddie.
0: And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Pilot's Pandemic podcast. You're here with Emma and Maddie. What's up? What's up? And we have like some juicy, hot piping, juice tea, (laughs) hotness, um, some real piping hot. I don't, I I don't even know where I'm going with that, but you get my drift, you catch my drift. Um, but yeah, you know how we always do before we roll into the heavy stuff, Maddie, what have you been up to?
1: Bro, so many things I have been actually traveling quite a bit lately, which, you know that's always fun, little last-minute travel destination. So I was just in New York because Jesse actually got—he's finally off reserve. Like, yay! Little golf clap because it's been one year of reserve, and I know I shouldn't even complain because most year most people are on reserve for like ten years, but it was a long year for us, and I'm so glad that he's finally not on reserve anymore. So his first trip off reserve, he got really lucky. at a 30 hour layover in New York. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll go with you. And it was on a Friday. It was just like such perfect timing. And then he got, um, not trip displaced, but, um, training displaced. So it's like where, you know, someone needs to get trained. So they take his like leg and then he, doesn't have to fly it. So I literally got to deadhead with him. He deadheaded and I flew right next to him to Portland. And then we flew Portland to, uh, JFK. He flew me. So it was like my own private jet ride. Um, and then we spent the whole day in New York the next day. So we walked all over the place. Um, I told Jesse, I was like, we're literally going to New York to eat our way through the city. And that's what we did. And this time we, kind of just like went wherever by the end of the night like the subway system was all whack or we were just getting lost one or the other but it was so funny because jesse had to go to the bathroom so bad he's like i'm done with the subway like we just need to find a taxi and he's like how do you hail a taxi i'm like i don't fucking know let's just you know throw our hand out there and see what happens so of course i'm like hey uh and no one's listening because the taxi window's rolled up and I can't hail a fucking cab. So we keep walking. I'm just like staring at the, ta- the taxi's like, okay, one of these guys has got to like be paying attention to me at some point. I see a taxi driver roll his window down and I'm like, oh my God, this is my chance. So I just yell at him from the side of the sidewalk. I'm like, hey, are you working? And he He looks at me and he just like waves his arm for me to come over to the taxi. I'm like, okay, so these taxis don't even pull off to the side of the road. You just got to run out in the middle of traffic to get one. And so that's what we did. Hopped in the taxi. He picked us up and I was like, dude, I can hail a taxi in New York now. Like I can add that to my fucking resume that I know how to hail a taxi in New York. So I was proud of myself for a good five minutes. Um, But yeah, (laughs) New York was pretty fun dude there's just so much to see we probably walked about 10 miles i think uh but it goes by so fast because there's so many things to look at you don't even realize how far you're walking um and the food is fucking to die for there so yeah that's why i'm
0: i'm i'm sorry i think it's so funny that jesse asked
1: how do you hail a cab <laughs> like boy have you never watched a movie <laughs> I know. That's what I said. I was like, I think you just yell at him. I literally was like, it, well, because he had to pee so bad. I think that's what he was, like focused on.
0: He's literally yeah. He's, he's like, he's I
1: can't shoots the wind. <laughs> I was like, are your teeth floating? He's like, just yes. he so pissed. And so yeah, he's so like, about like, to
0: pass a kidney stone from holding his pee in for <laughs> so fucking long. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's that's funny. I love New York, and this is always like, I feel like February and March are always great times to go to New York. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because it's just not as busy or it's like still kind of cold. And I feel like if you're going to do New York, you're obviously going to be walking a lot. Um, And personally, I do not want to walk around a city in the middle of summer. Like that's just not my vibe. Um, So I think New York at this time of year, it's not freezing, but you can still like layer, wear a jacket, feel cute, walk around. It's a vibe.
1: Yeah, dude. Honestly, I've gone like in end of December and beginning of January and the weather is so frigid. It's like zero degrees whenever I go. So this time, like it was nice because I think it was like 45 degrees, which is considerably warmer than I've ever been there. So it was it was great. Weather was great. And like you said, it's not as busy. It seems a little less busy during this time of year. So it it was a nice time to go to NYC. I'm
0: jealous. I've literally, I've done nothing but work. And then when I do have a free opportunity, I've been spending it by the pool. Um, Charleston, South Carolina, the weather here has been like kind of funky yesterday. It was 85 degrees and Oh my God, it took everything in me, but I had to work. I was like, I'm working. I literally, I have to be an adult like, there will be summer. Summer is coming soon. But it's funny because yesterday was 85 and today woke up. It's 55 today. The high is 55. Wow. It dropped yeah. 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I don't know. It's just been weird. Like, we get really, really good days and then sometimes it, it will just get colder. But... Which makes it like difficult because I'm like, I don't even know, like, it's such an odd time to dress right now, especially here, like, and then it'll be 55 like this, but you could stand in the sun where there's no wind and you will get so ridiculously hot. Um, but yeah, no, I'm ready for it to warm up. I'm ready for summer. Those couple of days of like really nice weather definitely helped out my serotonin production. Um, So shout out vitamin
1: D. Um, You guys don't let Emma fool you though, because every time I call her, her ass is sat by the pool. So taking a little tan while I'm all up in the snow, just like. Yeah, man. I mean,
0: (laughs) any opportunity I get, I don't know why it's just become one of those things where I feel like it's habitual. Like I have to do it or else I'm going to get sad. And even though our pool is, it's still really, really cold. I've been swimming. I don't care. I don't care. I just, I need to swim. I need to lay out in the sun. Um, Yeah, it's good for me. It makes me feel like good.
1: A, like a semi ice bath going in.
0: No, it really is. It's been nice. And Zach and I have been playing tennis. So if I get really, really hot from tennis, I'll go run back to the apartment, throw on my bathing suit and jump in. And it's like literally like a cold plunge. So yeah, you know, I've been trying to be, you know, like a little healthy or whatever. Like it's, it's been a little vibe. So yeah, I did go fishing. I'm trying to think of what else I did. I did go fishing on Saturday this past week, which was so much fun.
1: (laughs) I saw those fish you caught. Literally, I was like going through them like, that's a gross fish. (laughs) That's the nasty fish. (laughs) Because I fucking hate fish. But you said- they're pretty so I was like okay I they're
0: to me I'm like you know what like they serve their purpose and they're not like well I get I was about to say they're not like gross fish which flounder are bottom feeder fish I think but I don't know flounder just like something that's like always been a big part of like growing up in the south like Flounder tastes really good. It's a clean like white meat fish. They're not fishy at all. So I just don't associate them with like being bad or dirty. Same thing with the the sheep's head, which now the sheep's head, I'm sorry, the teeth. And for anyone listening right now, if you don't know what a sheep's head is, go look up like Google sheep's head teeth and you'll understand what I'm talking about, but they have like a full set of human teeth. And it's yeah, so strange it's so strange but they also taste really good and they're fun to fish because you just you literally drop a line down to the bottom and then like you just wait for them um but I always get a little bit sentimental and I really like want to put them back like I'm like put it back like Dude,
1: that fish has like fucking human teeth bro I'm literally did you like- google it <laughs> yeah. That is some Chompos made of nightmares. I would never. Uh uh. They taste
0: so good though, Maddie. It's like literally, it's so funny that, like, such an ugly fish. Same thing with a flounder. Like, a flounder is such a weird looking fish. Like, it's flat. It's a flat fish. It has two eyes. Like, it's like a sheet of paper and it has two eyes on the top. And then the bottom side of it, which is like its belly, the part that it like, keeps flush to the bottom of the ocean is white and there's no eyes there's no nothing it's the strangest looking shit ever but i don't know i think it's interesting i like it i really i don't know but i grew up doing that so i think it's fun for me um like
1: southern thing bro like oh this is why i like clear clean lake water because i'm like <laughs> we all got fish with teeth like that <laughs> dude there but you think that they'd like bite really hard but they don't
0: like when they, when, when you um drop your bait or whatever, when they, it's really hard to like fish for them. In my opinion, I, I don't know if anyone listening, I like watch me get a DM, like, no, they're not hard to fish for. <laughs> um, they, they use their teeth. Like they just really lightly like nibble and you can like barely feel them sometimes the way that they use their teeth. They literally just like bite really softly and then suck whatever they're eating into their mouth. Um. so I don't know it's it's weird you think like a fish like that would have like a really powerful bite but they don't they're like just wait oh, till they, like, they get
1: oh, mad though fucking just tear your finger oh, off
0: oh my god no I've oh <laughs> uh-uh. no 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 I've never I wonder if like what it feels like next time I go I'm actually gonna see like what the I'm gonna put my finger in there see like what it
1: you come back with it. Bite like so mad? Like. I lost a finger, finger. last weekend
0: Oh my God. No, we'd have to butcher it and then get the finger out and then go to the hospital. Cause I'm pretty sure they could still reattach it. It's worth the risk.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Put it on ice. You'll be good.
0: It's my own little science experiment. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what I've been up to. I've been doing like Charleston, low County shit, you know, been fishing and out on the boat and, you know, just
1: You know what else I've been doing? We got to just really quick talk about this because since you're in the low country, um, have you been watching the Murdoch murders?
0: So I followed that like right when it all happened and I watched one documentary, I think it was the Peacock documentary. So Uh I followed it a little bit, but it's just like, I don't know if for some people it's really shocking for me. I'm like, that is like, yeah, that's the South. That's the South. Yeah.
1: Like I was thinking of you. I was like, oh, God, this happened in South Carolina. And I was like, Emma is going to claim she's from North Carolina as soon as I tell her that, though. (laughs) Oh, dude.
0: But we have, it's like wild, like, some of the stuff that happened. And even in my little town, like, growing up, like, there's just shit that happens like that. Like, very influential families that have, like, bad, like, I mean, drugs are bad down here. Like, people use really, really bad. And pills, coke, like, that is very, very... um. I don't know just normalize down here and you'd be shocked like these influential people what they take and what they use and their behavior and how they act in like what their kids do it's just i don't know like that to me wasn't shocking like the whole i think it was mallory the one that like blew off the boat like when they crashed Mm -hmm. like that is so some like because i grew up on the water like shit like that happens um even even northern um like more north in the south like lake norman shit like that happens on lake norman a lot like not crazy like influential like lawyer family type shit but stuff like that happens um in the south a lot but i i don't know how i feel i don't think he did it i think he hired
1: someone to do it you think so i think he totally did it you think
0: he did it he could have done Uh... it i mean he could have been on like dude did you see um oh my god i was listening to one of the like the things from his trial and he confessed to taking like i cannot remember what the specific amount was of um i think it was like vicodin oxy percocet i cannot remember what drug it was he basically took an entire script yeah in one day dude so like yeah i could see like if he was messed up like that oh mind. yeah
1: He could definitely,
0: like, kill his family. Also, I
1: think it was, like, a power thing. Like, for me, I'm like, this guy is, you know, from a big, wealthy family with a lot of power. He's, like, fifth generation lawyer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, and he's taking all of these drugs, which probably makes him feel like he's, like, superhuman. And... But he still has the audacity to be like, oh, I, I can cover up all these murders, his housekeeper, um, the one his son killed on the boat. And then he's like, oh, I'm just going to kill my wife and kid because I have power. And so I think for him, he really is like, just thinks like he can get away with it. And that's why I think he's still going to appeal this whole thing with the courts and him being found guilty. I think he'll appeal it because he really thinks in his mind that he could get away with it. That's why you took the stand, dude. I'm like, don't you know, like, Murder 101, you never take the stand
0: in your own trial? Apparently, like, I don't know. There are a lot of people um, that live in Charleston that are from there. Um, And I was talking to a girl that went to high school with all of them. And she was like, dude, like, they've been a really messed up, dirty, like, corrupt family for years, for like, like you said, generations. And they've never, ever, like been held to any sort of consequence because they basically like run that fucking town um so i don't know i feel like it's just a long time coming but bro i can't get over the paul paul and his name (laughs) is Alex. (laughs) but he's like alec like what paul paul yes oh man like what the fuck (laughs) i don't know i just mm, 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 mm-mm-mm I don't know. That one just, it's funny to me. It didn't, I don't know. It. I shouldn't say it's funny to me. Like obviously people lost their lives, but like some of that shit is really, really funny. And I think when you grow up and stuff like that happens, um, I don't know. That's why I just, it didn't interest me as much as like, I'm really excited for all the stuff with Brian Koberger and the Idaho murders. Um, okay. so that, that was I'm really like what I followed, in- but
1: it's funny because I'm interested in the Murdaugh murders, which are in South Carolina, and you're interested in the Koberger murders, which are in Washington. So we're literally, like, switching murder scenes because mm-hmm. I'm in Washington and you're in South Carolina.
0: But see, that's, like, what I think it is. It's, like, it's it's foreign. So it's, like, more like, ooh, yeah. shit, like, Oh, my God. Like, because you don't, I mean, I've never, knock on wood, like, what happened in Idaho. Like, if that to my knowledge like that's never happened anywhere where i've ever lived like something of that nature like that violent um yeah. type of like serial killer type stuff but that seems to happen like out west like the Bro, green that happens River happens killer, all the time. And, like yeah like colorado seems to have a lot of that
1: <laughs> my dad um his sister used to live next to the green river killer and then my oh, dad also worked with a serial killer himself jesus so, i know i'm like uh, the bad juju has gone since he's passed now. Um, <laughs> I feel like it does happen quite a bit here. Um, and uh, just so we can clear this up, because I'm like, someone's going to be like, the Koberger murders were not in Washington, but Brian Koberger was in Pullman, Washington when he committed those murders. So that's why I say Washington state, but it is kind
0: doing weird. some crazy cross-country traveling because like i see that's the other thing i couldn't like figure out the whole like map situation because they arrested him I, in pennsylvania like well yeah oh he went like pennsylvania
1: i the murders were in moscow he lives in pullman but moscow and pullman are like border towns so they're literally oh. right they're close to each other so okay. i think they're maybe like 20 or 30 minutes apart
0: wasn't he going to school though still in pennsylvania or maybe i'm like getting my like, no he graduated orped. from
1: there his parents okay. were in pennsylvania and then he um was going to school finishing up i believe his phd um at pullman and uh, again how can you get going true. to
0: school for that shit and make such lousy fucking mistakes like again comical terrible because- thing that happened but like what the fuck <laughs>
1: Well, I still think like all these people who do these things, they do it for power or for money, like fame. Like I think he just wanted to be well known. And that was his way of doing it. Mm. Cause now we all know his name. He's a fucking household name now. True.
0: Shame. Shame. Yeah. I really want to get a bell for that. All my game of thrones <laughs> people yeah. know what I'm talking about every single time I say that. But if I had a bell, it would be so much more like powerful, like shame. a ling. We need Shame. a fucking soundboard, bro. I know we really do. There are a lot of sounds that like just would, I don't know. I feel like it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun, but I was looking at them and they're expensive. So whew, I don't know if we have, um, I,
1: I, we're not there yet people, but if you want to make it happen, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, does 21 five want to just like, you know, rent us their soundboard or maybe just like gift it to us. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> literally oh my god I was so upset that they didn't use it which I guess like our episode obviously we are talking about like such like heavy stuff but I really wanted them to use it I was like oh I really want to hear it like they should have yeah, just fun. had
1: like the sad noise or like the uh-oh noise or something or like like, like,
0: that. like the tiny violin like yeah, <laughs> do, 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 do. yeah. <laughs> that's so fucked up I'm making fun of us
1: I know that's okay. okay I love it's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> Let okay, us get okay. Out of
0: soapbox. Oh my god. Well, I mean, we do, and it's like rightfully so. But like sometimes you gotta like, I have to make fun of us because like. <sighs> if we didn't we'd be like really depressed people like if we couldn't find the humor in some of this we'd be really depressed and there's no way that we could even make this podcast i'm gonna be so freaking real like yeah we'd be full depressed we're only half
1: depressed right now yep. so
0: half <laughs> i only got my my toe in okay yeah <laughs>
1: Got gut issues cause Emma and I sure do. I have an issue with high sugar foods and anything with added preservatives and Emma has a whole ass gluten intolerance. So we struggle with finding tasty treats, but thank the heavens for Abinola because it has been a lifesaver when we want a sweet treat fix without all the gut bombs that high gluten foods like cookies and cakes give us. Abby
0: Nola has a chocolate granola that is made with lupini beans, so it's gluten-free and only has one gram of sugar, leaving our sweet tooth satisfied and our tummies feeling perfectly fine.
1: You guys, you can head over to abby-foods.com or the Instagram account at abby-foods-co for your granola fix turned tasty treat fix. You'll also find all kinds of recipes to try out, so you'll get never get bored with Abinola. Use code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order of Abinola. All right, well,
0: we got to move on because we could sit here and chit-chat like this for forever, but... We're going to dive in today's topic of conversation, which is the letter that came out from the Southwest Pilots Union, SWAPA, painting a very colorful picture of the downfall of Southwest and why they're going through their so-called shit storm. Um So, yeah, contract negotiations have been going strong for the airline post-2020. And you'd think that during a national pilot shortage that airlines would want to negotiate in good faith. But time and time again, we see that they just prioritize shareholder profits instead of employees' quality of life, which is typical. That's what we are always talking about. So we want to remind you um, that this isn't only a Southwest problem, but an overall
1: airline problem. Yes, a big problem. Um, I mean, I wasn't surprised when I read this swap a letter, but then also again, very surprised because it is like very scathing, guys. So um, and I wish every union could write a letter like this, but I think for Southwest, there's just been so many ongoing problems that that the union rep just finally got tired and was like, okay, like they're gonna hear it now. So it's a a long letter, like I said, so we're gonna read snippets from it, which this episode may feel long because of the snippets are pretty large. Um, But I think that it is important so you guys can kind of understand what's happening with Southwest and also realize that this isn't only a Southwest problem, like Ahmed said, that this is an overall airline problem. So these things could probably potentially happen to any airline, but they're happening to Southwest right now. Um, So the first snip I'm going to read, bear with me. So it says, how did we get here? How did we go from the most stable and profitable airline in history to the greatest meltdown in airline history? As with most organizations, the answer can be distilled down to one word, leadership. Actually, in our case, it's three words, lack of leadership. While we continue to receive Saccharin Corporate Communications Department written and legal counsel reviewed, we're sorry and I love you meaningless and generic messages from Southwest Airlines corporate execs. They obscure a genuine cancer within our company that has been an ever-growing existential threat that must be excised before it becomes terminal. And these messages obfuscate the actual corrective action that is absolutely necessary to pull out of this graveyard spell that our company's so-called leaders have placed us in. That fixes actual and tangible accountability above the frontline worker level for the first time in our recent history. It is time to have a frank discussion about the the root cause of the quagmire that we find ourselves in today that root cause has a name so essentially the the root cause when he says the root cause has a name they're talking about Gary Kelly who was the CEO since Herb Keller left his position Um, and the thing that I wanted to point out is that this just didn't happen overnight this has been ongoing issue where the greed of the few at the top and their shareholders lead to a massive upset of not only a company but those at the front lines which are the pilots the flight attendants, the gate agents and the ground agents um so this kind of has been like 20 years in the making and it's all bubbling to the top right now so if you guys are seeing like southwest airlines in the news a lot there is like a big reason behind it. And it's like time and time again, the CEO is not done what he's supposed to be doing and instead lined his pockets instead of um, making this organization better. Mm. And if for, for those of you who are following our
0: um, Instagram page, I did post a TikTok about this, who she kind of went over this. So if you're like curious, if this sounds familiar to you, that's, The situation that we're talking about but i just absolutely love that this is like beyond a professional fuck you it's just a a quintessential fuck you like yeah (laughs) but yeah so i'm gonna read another snippet it says herb's legacy and the culture that he built was from the ground up was centered on his employees and empowering them to make proactive decisions at the lowest level possible However, the culture that Gary Kelly ushered in with his ascension to the throne was the exact opposite. Gary's vision was to become the darling of of the investment community while building an insulated and vertical hierarchy structure where all decision-making authority was slowly stripped from the frontline experts with the most situational awareness and moved further up the cubicle chain in Dallas, far removed from line operations. During that time, he took our company from being known for personality and agility to becoming a class techro techrocrat's dream with an explosion of stove-piped vice-presidential fiefdoms that all communicate vertically with little to no horizontal integration, end quote. So- yeah, that's what happens when you stop listening to the people that work for you um, and just become like completely disconnected, but also just like money, like this all just kind of boils down
1: to money. Yeah, where it's going. Um, and it's definitely like when he says it's a technocrat stream with an explosion of stovepipe vice presidential fiefdoms. It's just literally all the people at the top communicating with each other and no one has any say at the bottom, even if they know the day-to-day operation, like no one's paying attention because it's all about numbers at the end of the day. And those numbers are reflective and in the money-making of the business. So the next one I was going to read, here we go. With the above changes instituted by Gary Kelly came the proliferation of single points of failure within our company's individual stovepipes and at the top of that operational stovepipe. As- Chief Operations Officer Gary Kelly installed another accountant and friend, Mike Vandeven. Just like that, we were suddenly an operational flying and customer service company with the top three positions occupied by three holders of bachelor's degrees in accounting from the University of Texas, a recipe for operational ignorance and collective groupthink, a monetization of the once vaunted Southwest culture and instead turning it into a headquarters-centric cult, a good old boys and girls network indeed. While this would temporarily bode well for our shareholders for the last decade, Decade, it slowly eroded our company from within to set the stage for a current and complete meltdown end quote very interesting like i love that they quoted that uh a good old boys and girls club because it literally is kind of the the wall that we're running into with not only companies airlines unions but also the faa we always talk about the faa and how their culture is very much um stuck in the good old boys club fashion. So that is interesting that they said that about Southwest. And we also know that the FAA has an entanglement with Southwest down at the Dallas headquarters. Cause we spoke about that a few episodes back when Southwest had their huge meltdown. Um, but also they are being looked at because of their safety concerns, because the FAA has been overlooking Uh, Southwest safety measures because they have former CEOs or execs that were at Southwest now working at the FAA. So that good old boys and girls club mentality is far reaching. It's not only Southwest, it's the FAA as well. Um, So they're all running in the same circles. Um, And then the whole accounting comment is pretty much happening at, at a lot of other airlines. I think that's kind of why we're seeing the problems that we're seeing is because operationally you have people that only look at numbers all day and so they're not really looking at what's happening at the operation and we're seeing like a big breakdown happening because of that so it's interesting definitely a huge
0: disconnect but so
1: this goes on
0: to say during gary kelly's tenure as ceo southwest airlines has returned approximately 12 billion to shareholders while increasing his own total annual compensation by more than 700 (laughs) percent like that's insane like that is absolutely fucking crazy all right Anyways, much of that money was spent executing billions of dollars in share buybacks, share buybacks that were once illegal that provide no benefit for the company itself while artificially inflating share prices, thus inflating stock-based executive compensation. And, okay, sorry, that was in quotes, and sent a clear message that the company has access cash on hand, but the CEO thinks there is no better place for investment of capital within his company. All while there were clear and constant signals that were aspects of our operation that were in desperate need of significant investment and upgrade. (coughs) It's kind of why we saw the whole meltdown. I think that's kind of what they're alluding to. And all while subject matter experts, including our analysts at Swapa, pleaded with management to make investments into our tech infrastructure before we suffered an existential meltdown. Again, I just 700% raise. Yeah. While the company is having a fucking meltdown. And I'm sorry, excuse my French, whatever. But not to mention the tech meltdown that happened cost them upwards of 82 wait 825 million
1: dollars. So the math ain't really math in there. The math ain't math, and it is interesting, like the way that they do things and but at the end of the day, when I think about that meltdown, I'm like, okay, so there's they're making 12 billion, right? Um, yeah, approximately 12. while yes. well, increasing is total compensation by more than 700 percent. So like, when I think of that meltdown only costing 825 million, that's like pennies to them. So sometimes I think like, even though they don't invest in tech and they have these major breakdowns like they did. I think that happened at the very end of December of last year. Maybe it was the beginning. It was like
0: during Christmas. Like, yeah. or it yeah. was because that's like added to the absolute chaos of it all.
1: Yeah. So like, I still think they would rather take that $825 million hit while they line their pockets than actually making the system better. So their operations run better Um, because to them, it's just like pennies in the bucket. They're like, oh, well. I'll just pay, up, pay off the problem later, um, which we saw, you know, that's what companies do. I feel like they're like, well, what's the bigger hit? Like, do we line our pockets now and take a hit later? Or do we not line our pockets and, and make the operation better and maybe make that money later? And they always go for like, oh, I'll make the money now. Fuck the operation, <laughs> um, which is like Boeing. I mean, Boeing did the same thing. It's like we need to make a plane that competes with... Um, airbus and let's cut corners and let's line our pockets and people die but who fucking cares as long as we're making money and then you know they had to pay money back but i still think they made more money in the long run by cutting corners so yeah that's corporations for you anyways moving on to the next snippet here So Gary's Kelly's chickens have come home to roost. In true Southwest fashion, our executives continue to apologize and accept responsibility out of one side of their mouths while making banal excuses that deflect from the true cause out of the other side. Unprecedented storm, employee no-shows, decreased pickup rates, point-to-point network, and the list goes on. While many of us thought that perhaps this event would be the final straw that snaps the Southwest Board of Directors out of their fiduciary slumber and wake them up to the fact that they have allowed Gary Kelly to be an unchecked one-man show to the eventual detriment of the company itself, it is clear that Southwest management is circling the wagons as they always have done in the past. No acknowledgement of the magnitude of this the mistakes they have made no attempts to hold the responsible decision makers accountable no indication that there will be a course correction in the future no understanding of the fact that the people who drove the bus into the ditch in the first place must be first removed from the bus before it can be removed from the ditch and repaired so mm. it's, like you know, last- that
0: sounds like a lot of like it sounds like somebody we know <sighs> the faa
1: i was like just say it's like
0: the apple don't fall too too far from the tree you know like you're just the son and that's mommy and daddy like you know what i mean like it's like they laid the foundation the groundwork for this and now okay okay anyways
1: sorry it's kind of just like the lack of respect that the higher-ups have for those on the front line kind of speaks for itself uh, when Swapis says there's no indication there will be a course correction, um, which is sad because if there isn't a course correction, if things don't change, it's kind of an example for other airlines. Like, hey, it's okay to to serve your shareholders while taking shit on your frontline employees because, I mean, look at us. Look at Southwest. We're doing it. So why can't you? Um, so I feel like if nothing changes, then nothing changes. <laughs>
0: mm. I don't know. It's just like the integrity there just goes out the window and then it's like, nobody's going to want to work for you. Then we're in the middle of a pilot shortage. It's just like
1: all of that is going to compound and I don't know if people are paying attention, though, because I see it all the time in my little pilot wives groups that I'm part of. They're like, oh, who should I work for, you know, Southwest or Delta or United because they have all these choices now. There's no like, oh, I need to pick like who I want to work for, get a job anywhere. It's like um, I think people still see that Southwest is a great company to work for. and, And while I think it once was, there's definitely a denigration happening there. And I don't know now about the quality of life per se flying at Southwest and especially because nothing is changing. So if nothing's changing, like, do you want to sign up to work for a company that doesn't value its employees and clearly states that, oh, if you work for management, like you're going to be well taken care of. But if you work on the front line, you're going to get shut on. I I don't know if people think about that when they're like, oh, I want to fly for Southwest because I know many people who, who still think Southwest is a great company. But I mean, when they come out and someone from the union is, is saying this, I think it's like the the second president or whatever of the union. I forget who, who wrote it. Uh, Captain Tom Nacquois. So second vice president of SWAPA is saying these things. Um, it's kind of like a clear indication, like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't work for this company. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think for a lot of people, it's a name. And then there also is like, uh, I feel like there is a decent amount of people that like, it's either a generational thing, like their family or someone that they know flew for the company or was employed by the company. So they want to like carry on a legacy. Um, I don't know. I see that like a lot in aviation. Like it's really about the aesthetic um, yeah. yeah, and choosing aesthetically wise and not like really
1: Choosing for like the benefit of your own good. I don't know. Like quality of life. Quality of I life. I definitely see that because when you're younger, at least like Jesse and I have gone through the same thing together. Like we get the the grass is greener syndrome, is what we call it. So like you're flying for a mainline carrier, but you see, oh you could fly for Delta United, you know? And you're like, well life seems so good at delta united because you could literally fly anywhere you get these um, amazing trips where you're you're not just stuck in the united states mexico or canada you're flying over the pond and it sounds amazing and like oh you're gonna have such a good life especially because jesse and i are child free it seems like oh that would be so perfect for us because we'll you know we'll get better seats we'll get business class if if we fly on delta like easier but then Luckily that didn't happen for us. We didn't go over to Delta, but when we started thinking about it, we're like, wow, like quality of life is a lot better where we're at now, where he's not flying those types of trips or gone for two weeks at a time. And those are not things you necessarily think about until you're, you get a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned in the industry, because You're you just like I said, you have like this grassy skin and the rose-colored glasses are on, you're seeing like all the good and you're not seeing how it may affect your life. And I think now, especially with Gen Z, I think they have a little bit better handle of quality of life and what matters for their mental health and um they care a little more um because you can literally pick any airline you want. So now it really does come down to okay, like am I gonna be in my base? Um, you know, what is offered to me benefit-wise. Whereas before when Jesse was working, it was like, whoever picks me, I'm I'll take it. Like there yeah. isn't options like there is now. So I think they do a little bit better of job, but with anything new as an airline pilot I feel like you want to perform well, you want to do well, you'll do whatever it takes for your company because that's what's required of you. And you're you're not um jaded per se, just yet. Um, but like my advice is always like, think of your quality of life. Cause that's, what's most important. We always say your company doesn't care about you because they fucking don't. Um, and I'll say it again. Your company does not care about you. <laughs> um, I think I've seen that way too much. Um, when people think about airline pilots, there was like, Oh, it's such a good life. Like your company will do whatever it takes for you. And that's just simply not true. Um, and you only learn that as you, you know, put your years in, but Anyways, just remember quality of life is important. And I think like always picking that first is very important um, because it matters. Like by the time you're in this industry for 35 years, your quality of life will definitely seem more and more important as time goes on. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I think this next snippet like is definitely like a good testament to that. So it goes on to say the cold hard truth of this scenario is simply that the highest layer of management in this company will not have their family's life upended by the turmoil their decisions have caused. They will not be a- they they will be able to walk away with millions of dollars over the years and further in cash their stocks and further cash in their stocks and options to not impact their standards of living not even one aota (laughs) aota aota which is exactly what we're talking about like and that is the cold hard truth like we say quality of life but that's kind of what we mean you know what i mean this does like when you're dealing with this kind of stuff and your company isn't treating you right and you're stuck somewhere whatever the situation is it is going to affect your family and like maddie Maddie, you and Jesse, y'all are child-free, so there's that element that like y'all don't have to worry about that. But imagine if you had like three screaming little like tit monster, evil demon seeds running around, like crotch goblins, as I like. Uh (laughs) And then there's no time for there's no time for you to actually genuinely connect with your spouse. It's like you get home, you're tired, you're exhausted, you go to sleep, you wake up you wake up the next day, your kids need all your full and undivided attention. And that's the reality for a lot of freaking people. And I just like, I could never imagine that situation. It just adds like, there's just so many elements to that that I don't think people really ever consider. But anyways, goes on to say, Gary Kelly will still enjoy living in his newly constructed retirement mansion in the toniest of Dallas neighborhoods while waxing philosophical, philosophically in, while waxing philosophically in financial media interviews about what it takes to be a successful CEO, but the burden of Gary and his fellow senior executives and board members, Folly, will be borne by the frontline employees without millions of dollars in compensation packages to their names, the ones whose futures and families' fortunes literally depend on the success of the company, end quote. So I think that was like beautiful, beautifully said after kind of what we just talked about, because like, I feel like when we say it, maybe it just sounds like dramatic, but like hearing it from somebody who like is on top of their shit. This is an a president, you know what I mean? Of the union. He's saying it right there for you. That is the reality of things. And
1: that is what can happen. So that's corporate greed. So I'll read the last quote, cause I think it's summed up really, really well. Um, so it says, quote, I do not begrudge the vast sums of money. Our executives earn for working their way up the corporate ranks. I am a capitalist and I love American upward mobility. I do, however, begrudge earning vast personal wealth while running our company's operations and culture into the ground. But that's not how shareholder capitalism works. All that matters is share price, and Gary Kelly knows share price. Gary Kelly was charged with protecting the precious legacy that was passed to him by Herb Keller. Herb had already done the heavy lifting. All Gary had to do was not drop it. But instead, Gary Kelly's only enduring legacy is that he destroyed Herb Keller's. Rest in peace, Herb respectfully and with a heavy heart captain tom nikwa or Nakui, swap second vice president so i really think like the mic drop was at the very end by just like calling him out and saying like his only enduring legacy will be that he ruined herb keller's because herb keller is a fucking legend at southwest um and is the reason why they have that culture that they do at Southwest and why they are so upset that it's being destroyed or has been kind of irreparably damaged by uh, Gary Kelly. So it's it's just interesting to see such bold language um, and a bold letter being written publicly for all people to see about this airline and from a union vice president at that um, I think it kind of speaks for itself, um, in the in how Southwest and their company feels about them. I
0: that's just like a like, ooh, a spicy damn letter. And I gotta say it, but when boomers snap, they snap, and mm. I'll give them that, but like the ver I mean that was so hard to read and speaking of that like we'll link the full letter because we skipped over quite a few paragraphs and if we read them all like we would be here for three hours but how eloquently spoken and like just the verbiage there and like the, the the way that like he was able to convey his thoughts in that letter like I just feel like he really hit the nail on the head um and I don't know just reminded us like just reminded us why this is important in the first place. You have to be thinking about your frontline workers at the end of the day. Yeah. You might have a couple of people at the top, but your frontline workers are the people that make up the bulk of your company. And it's crazy to me that these people don't don't really realize that. Um, and it's also wild that people, families, even if you're not a family, you could be one individual person still could be suffering
1: like from the consequences of this. So I don't yeah. know. I think it's also just important to note like, if you think about who's all negotiating right now and in the past, like, so right now, I believe it's Southwest is in negotiations, Delta's in negotiations, American Airlines is in negotiations, and I believe United is as well. So, and all of these people have been negotiating for fucking years, guys, like years. And I'm like, why? is it taking so long to negotiate with your pilots who literally run the company without your pilots, your fucking planes, aren't fucking moving. You're not moving no metal without them. So I just, you're not making
0: any more money.
1: Yeah. You're not, you're just like, and, and I know that pilots are the biggest cost to a company. So they're always like thinking about ways to cut costs with pilots, but I still think like that, It just shows, like, if you're not negotiating in good faith with your pilots, it kind of reflects badly on the company and their culture. And that's, it's literally every company right now. No one wants to negotiate or give pilots higher pay, yet they want to boost their schedules. Or fucking, United wants to go to space, do space tourism. Like, it's like, okay, you guys, like, pay the people who are going to fly your planes there. Because you're making billions of dollars in shareholder money so why can't you pay your pilots space
0: tourism like what the fuck are you gonna go see in space like they're like the majority of people Uh haven't even left the the country like i mean i just want to like take a second because we talked about that with joe and like i feel like people think i sound kooky for that but like let's be so real y'all the majority of people have not even left the united states what makes you think that that's gonna like be some big hit who Bro, is really going to pay not, for that?
1: It's like, not for normal people like us, though. It's for the rich people.
0: I know, but like, I'm like, there can't really be that many. Like, it's like, eventually you're going to run out of all the rich people and they're going to do it and go up there and realize, oh, what the, like, we're just looking down at earth. There's the moon. You know,
1: they're going to call like, it another planet and they're going to leave us here to die. That's what's going
0: well, to take them a long damn time to get there. So have fun. <laughs> I'll be dead. <laughs>
1: Dude. Bezos balls on Mars. That's oh where they're going to live. <laughs>
0: oh bro, Grimes and Elon will be up there colonizing with um little AEI 3 digital <laughs> cyberkinetic Wi-Fi 2000. God, like <laughs> I just really, I don't know why, like, I I, like what about that is appealing and why do these huge companies and these millionaires just think that's so appealing? Like, I get it. Yeah. Like eventually there's going to be a possibility that we will need, you know, another place to go, but that's so far away. And I get that now we'll be dead by then. We'll be dead by then. I'm like, let's not worry
1: more than we have to.
0: (laughs) I'm just like, it makes me so mad to see resources and money being used on something that I find really, really, really dumb. That's just anyways. Okay. I don't know what it is about the whole space thing that really gets me hot.
1: Like I don't like we it. Gonna go. <laughs> we don't get to be tourists in our own space. <laughs> It's not, it's like, not even that, like, I have no desire to go. It's the
0: fact that we're constantly like brainwashed by the media that we're the cause. And we are the reason why our planet is dying and how we, these small people that have no funds, no money, no resource are supposed to like change our lives to better this earth. When in reality, it's the people with millions of money millions of dollars millions of money I can't even speak millions of dollars who are the ones contributing to the downfall of our earth and we're just supposed to like I'm just like whatever like whatever
1: literally just with our little
0: plastic fucking or rubber straws and Ugh, paper bags, which are fine and great and dandy, I love it. I've learned how to recycle. It's great, but <laughs> like, I really do think that's an epidemic. Like the fact that we, all the, and I hate to say Greta thumb, or, You know, you, she ain't the problem, but like, <laughs> she also is the problem. Like, she get up there, she's like, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god, girl, like you're giving me depression. You're giving everyone depression. Literally, everyone is sad. Like, and then you've made all these people depressed. And the one thing we know about depressed people is they can barely fucking brush their teeth. So you think they're gonna get off of their ass and do something for the to better the awesome. earth?
1: No. But what are we doing?
0: We're just sitting here talking about depression. <laughs> we're we're trying to better something at least. We're trying yeah. to better something for people, and it's like relevant and it's uh. now and it's like something here now and it's relevant. But like space irrelevant. Irrelevant. And <laughs> take all that energy and like do something about the earth. Like let's get some Tesla planes or something. Like <laughs> Tesla <planes>. oh, <sighs>
1: anyway,
0: sorry. That's just my little tin foil tin hat moment. I just I don't know. I think that's one thing that. I I know I'm not the only one who's noticed that. I think that's like a generational thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. The reuse water bottles. Like I, I love it. Like I'm all for it, but it shouldn't be left to the, to one person, to average people in society to like fix the earth while millionaires are literally trying to figure out how they can
1: go to space and do literally ruining the atmosphere to go by doing
0: it literally that's what i i almost said that in the last episode or maybe i did say that but that was literally the first thing that came to my mind i'm like how many gallons of fucking fuel like what what and then it is amazon and bezos who are like you know you see their fucking ads and they try and act like they're so holier than thou and we're green and we're this and we're that no you're oh my god
1: it's true though like they they are ruining the atmosphere just to like be a space tourist i'm like why are we doing tourism in space there is no fucking need but my my wish kind of is that like if someone goes up like all these rich people go out just for some space tourism on a flight that It'll they just explode either explode sucked into a black hole fucking <laughs> asteroid hits them something terrible so that Everyone it, like FAA makes all these fucking rules about space tourism and then no one can do it.
0: Did we not learn anything from the teachers? The <laughs> yeah. teachers in space. Did we not learn anything? Hmm? Hmm?
1: I guess not. You just
0: had to traumatize a whole generation of kids and now we're like, oh my god, I'm gonna go to space like like remember to bring the gin so we can have gym gimlets in space. Like <laughs> fuck.
1: <laughs> Seriously.
0: God. okay, anyways. Gotta- <laughs> <there's-> <laughs> and Maddie's like, hey, if there's gin Gimlet's on there!
1: <laughs> I'm totally down if there's that.
0: <laughs> but no, it's so true. Like, watch, like, the first time that they do it, the whole thing is, like, gonna explode, and everyone on board is gonna die, because that happens, like, that's, like, mm, that, that just, uh, okay, whatever. We didn't, obviously, those teachers died in fucking vain. <laughs>
1: Okay, <laughs> they did
0: oh my we did god turn. okay we all right all right all right we're gonna do
1: fun questions
0: y'all sorry right. thanks for thanks for listening
1: okay emma what's a nervous tick that you have that others might not notice
0: God, I have a quite a few biting my fingernails, scratching my scalp, holding my hands <laughs> like they're like up at my chest, like T-Rex hands. I also will just like randomly like scream and like emit noise throughout the day, especially when I'm by myself. Um, the <laughs> pandemic made that so much worse because when we wore masks for two years, I just started like fully like moving my mouth and like talking behind my mask and like I'd see something and I would just like stick my tongue out at it. Now I do that and I'm not wearing a fucking mask. So people think I'm crazy. Probably I catch myself walking through work and I'm like, just doing really crazy shit. Like (laughs) I have a lot of nervous tics and I'm nervous pretty much 24 seven. So yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. What about you?
1: I was really thinking on that. Mine, uh, I had it No, I forgot it. Oh yeah. So when I get really nervous, nobody will ever notice. But I get like uh, intense, like uh, like shivering almost. It's kind of weird. Interesting. Um, it only it usually happens in like social situations. If I have like one beer, maybe two, it'll happen. Um, but only I feel it, so no one ever sees it really which is kind of nice. At least my skin doesn't go, like, all red. Oh, definitely oh, I get that. sweaty. <sighs> I'm a sweaty bitch when I'm nervous. Like, I will be pitting out. So, yeah. I that's a that. I'll tell a sign that I'm fucking nervous, or I'll maybe stutter a little bit. I don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> I'll stutter. I start sweating. I do get, like, the hives, like, the yeah. nervous yeah. rash on my talk. chest.
1: <laughs> I can't talk.
0: can't talk. Um god there was one in there that oh yawning i will start yawning like over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. again and i've i saw somewhere that that's from anxiety same thing with like oh really felt you on the shivering like you kind of feel like a little just like it's almost like you feel cold, but you're not that happens to me whenever i drink if i get two drinks in and i'm in a situation where i don't feel like all the way like comfortable I start getting really like shivery and shaking and like, I don't know, it's, it's seriously so fucking uncomfortable. And by that point I'm like, all right, somebody take me home. I need to go
1: to bed. Like I'm going to vomit. <laughs> nice. Okay. So we're the same on the shivering. I was wondering if that happened to anybody else.
0: Yeah. I think it's an, I think that yawning, like there are a couple of them that are like access cortisol, which is like what makes you feel like anxious, anxiety, stress. Um. So Yeah. girl girl it's just
1: we can shiver together we'll be just just shivering at sun and fun shaking big baby all right (laughs) okay so next one is what game are you choosing at a bar if you have to play a game would you choose darts the pool table or the shuffleboard
0: okay um i do really like is the shuffleboard the thing with like the silica on it it's like little beads like like little stands yeah yeah I yeah. freaking love that. That is so much fun. Don't know how to play. It literally is so hard, but there was this one bar that um well, it wasn't really a bar. It was like a restaurant bar type of place in Raleigh and my family always used to go there anyways. They had one of Those and me and my cousins, we used to ooh, we used to fuck it up. And I know people used to get so mad because you had people in there that were adults and they were like actually drinking. And wanted to, like, use some of the things. And for the entirety of when we would be there, we would not leave the little shuffleboard thing. <laughs> no one was touching your shuffleboard. Mm-mm. Nope. I'm I love the, kind of like, the grit
1: on it. I'm terrible at shuffleboard. I don't know. I just don't have it down. Um, But I would prefer pool. I love fucking pool table. And I will get down with anyone who wants to come and play with me. So... Jesse's Zach loves
0: a- pool, but I'm not a I'm not a big pool girl. I do like darts too. I love darts.
1: I uh, don't actually see dartboards at bars that often, but I'll I'll play some darts. Just like watch out because I may not hit it, but I'll play.
0: <laughs> I feel like they started getting rid of dartboards in a bar because I feel like it's like such a big liability. Like you ever throw a dart and it goes the opposite direction? That's happened to me. Yeah.
1: I can totally see myself pegging someone with one on accident. Uh, Just like a bystander.
0: Oops. Sorry. Got you in the tent. My bad. I would be afraid that it would go in somebody's eye or something. I have like a weird thing with like things going yeah. in my eye. Like it scares me. Like whenever I turn on my um garbage disposal, I literally, I run away from it because I'm oh afraid God. that like there could be something in there, like a spoon or like off. a fork mm-hmm. that might shoot out and stab me.
1: Oh my god, Jesse! Oh, it must be like a pilot thing. I swear, because Jesse like covers one end like with a towel. Because like I guess you know you get that little like spray back sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not me. I'm like fuck it, click that shit on, let it spray all over me.
0: That is so funny because I literally, I have two, well, not two, I have one, but like they're connected and depending on how much water is in the sink, like you have to cover one drain and then you have to have like a a certain motion about how you flick it on. You got to go and then get it to like, (laughs) and kind of get a little, like a rapid, like twist and that way it'll suck some of the stuff down. And then you got to flip it one time really fast again. And then, and then you can just rip it and like, let it go. And then, yeah there's there's a method to that shit <laughs> i should have a checklist by that
1: just so that you like, should oh, people, don't,
0: people don't make I a know. mess i'm like i cannot stand like the idea of anything coming out and stabbing me or the fact that like particles of like water and food are like being sprayed into my kitchen after i cleaned yeah i feel that
1: So is it safe to say you're like a more of like a then?
0: Definitely a germaphobe. It's just like I like cleanliness. I don't want to smell anything that smells out of the ordinary. Like working in a restaurant has really been a huge struggle for me because the it's smells nasty. sometimes, like every now and then, you will get like a whiff of what smells like blue cheese that's been sitting in the sun for three fucking years. And
1: don't you hate the fucking smell of Clorox bleach rags now? Because I fucking do.
0: See, Just I like-, like that because I know it's a clean smell. I'm like, okay, that's oh. that's a safe neutral.
1: Yeah. How many times has that rag been used, though, to clean a table?
0: A bunch, which I wonder how <laughs> that works. Because apparently, like, they- so we get, like, a bag of rags like I don't know we get like these bags of rags we send them off somewhere and they get washed and then they come back to us but I know it's like they're not giving us the same ones so it's like they obviously it's like a company they have like millions of fucking rags and sometimes they'll like we'll get a, a bag of rags and they're like clean like you can smell that they are like very very clean but you'll pull out one and they will be stained to high hell. and you're like what the f- what happened to this rag like <laughs>
1: you don't want to know the the stories the rags could tell if only
0: there's just stuff in restaurants y'all that are is like really really like gross like there's just it's like anytime you're handling so much food and like food spoils so it's just like you get that rot you know what i mean
1: anyways yeah you're taking me back um okay so Uh... last question What's the worst way you hurt yourself when you were drunk? I'm sure there's been many, but the um, worst. Ones. I was
0: thinking about this, and I don't know. Like, uh, like I would say the last time like I really got like, like hurt was when we were at Sun and Fun because we were wrestling, and I literally have never had that many bruises on my body and my <laughs> sunburn on my shoulders, like from being like scraped across the that rug in the um in the hotel you know it's that like really fibrous rug yeah that that was fucking painful but other than that like I did have a really bad near miss last summer we were out on the boat and I had we had stopped for some reason but we were kind of like in the middle of the harbor slash like ocean area and the wave like the waves were kind of like going like and there are sections of it where like the current like can go like a lot of different ways so it's just like very choppy anyways my drunk ass was like I gotta piss so the minute I got into that water I realized that I'm being thrashed around a lot and I did not have on a life jacket and I'm a really good swimmer I've been swimming my whole entire life but like the just the strength of the water was insane and then when I went to swim back up to the boat to get back on the boat was like bobbing in and out of the water a lot and then at one point I don't know how but the boat went up and I went down like underneath the water and I kid you not I came like about three inches from absolutely cracking my skull on the propeller of the boat and I thought about it immediately when it happened like I grabbed the boat because I was like if anything fucking happens like I am not drowning right here right now and it really made me realize like it was one of those moments where I was like, holy fuck, like, this is why your parents tell you to be safe. This is why, like, I mm-hmm. don't know, this is, sh-. anyways, but yeah, that would, that would be, like, the, like, the closest call that I've had. Like, that would have probably been the worst that I've ever been hurt. I probably would have died. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Which reminds me of all like the stupid things I did too since I grew up on a lake. Same thing. Like I know how to swim, growing up on boats, like getting on random people's boats, being drunk on boats, like just making stupid decisions. Um, I am someone I will say that when I have had a few too many drinks, I will do the riskiest of things. Like Jump off the cliff, I'll fucking do it. Like that type of stuff. I always hurt myself when I'm drunk. So I was like trying to like recount like the worst that I've hurt myself. And luckily, I've like never broken a bone or cut anything off while I'm been drunk. but i've I've definitely gotten close. So like when you were talking about almost getting cut by a propeller, I remembered when me and my brother decided that we were gonna jump off a bridge into a river. The bridge is probably 50 feet high. So, um, and then swim back to shore, like after we jump into the river. So, and this is off a train trellis. Mind you, it's not an actual bridge. bridge. So you got to like the train tre- trellis in itself is already scary, but to get yeah. down on the trellis to jump off is of uh, a little bit risky in itself. But when I choose to do something risky, I always want to go first because I feel like if I have to watch other people do it, I will not be the last one to do it. Like, I'll just say, nope, I'm not going to do it. So I always say, I'm going first. So I always jump first. So when I jumped in off this train trellis, and mind you, like, there's multiple bridges in Chilean. so we do a lot of bridge jumping anyway. So I wasn't, like, super nervous about that. But we were jumping into the river. So the river has a lot more current than the lake. Which I didn't think about. So when we jump in, there's a strong ass current right where we jump and it's swirling like a little whirlpool. Mm. Um, so I jump in and my brother jumps in right after. Well, my brother's not as good of a swimmer as me. So I'm trying to swim out and he's like yelling at me like, holy shit, man! This, oh this current my. is strong. And I'm like, dude, we are not getting stuck in this thing. I'm like, Like screaming yeah. out. Like, just move your arms as fast as you can. And somehow, we get out of it. I, like, was... That's the only time I've been, like, seriously worried, like, we might get sucked in. Um, And luckily, we were with two other guys. One of them was like, I just swam under it. I'm like, I don't know how you swim under a fucking current, but he did. He didn't get stuck in it. And um, the other boy that was with us, he was able to get out of it but that was probably like a very scary situation that happened when we were drunk that i will reiterate like being around water and being drunk you have to kind of be like extra cautious um because you just don't think about the the things that might happen to you until you're like literally in it so yeah Yeah. and dude the way that like
0: i that just literally sparked like a a thing when you said that about the current like the way that, um, the water gets like sucked around the pilings of like any kind of structure like that in the water, Mm -hmm. like around here, um, Charleston's known for like, we, we have a massive tide shifts. So like you lose six feet of water and gain about six feet of water every single time there's a low and high tide, but. It's constantly going in and out, which makes like the water in the like small canal Creek areas move really fast and you won't see it moving. And then you'll get up on like a piling and you're like, Oh my God. Like if I was swimming right there, there's no way that I would be able to like swim out of that. Like, it's going to suck me right into the piling. Um, which is also really scary. And like people just, you don't think about that kind of stuff. I don't know. It just, it's like, especially if you've never like we grew up on the water so like i feel like we think about those kind of things but it freaks me out thinking about people that especially around here you have kids from college that are like from up north and they don't know anything and it happens like a lot around here they'll go out on the boat and they'll get drunk and they'll literally drown and die um
1: yeah just don't know any better that happens in (laughs) like Shland too and it's like I'm always wondering like, how did these people drown? Cause it's like obviously we grew up on water. So we're so used to like swimming all the time. And it's just because, like you said, like they're not from around water places. So they're not swimming all the time and they don't know like the the issues that could happen, like when you're drunk. And I just think people make stupid decisions, just like me and you, when you're drunk and in water. You just forget, like, okay, like this is something that could be dangerous like i could die (laughs) uh that
0: also comes with age i feel like too like when you're young like i remember being little and like going to the beach and standing in the ocean and being like fuck you ocean like i'm stronger than you like try and take me Mm, like i'm so powerful like um okay (laughs) odd flex but like okay shawty (laughs) like pop off and then it literally I got sucked out into a rip current and it only took one freaking time for my ass to be so humbled.
1: And yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, this also reminds me of one time when me and my brother were like, let's take a canoe out in, in March in Lake Chelan. <laughs> it's fucking cold beginning of March. And uh, we took it out and it only took us about two minutes before we flipped this motherfucker over in the middle of the lake and it's freezing out. And yeah, uh, we had to swim back with it, like pull the canoe with us, um, get it on to the beach. And then my brother had to run back and get the car because it was over the bridge, parked on the other side. Meanwhile, my dad, this is like when he was a lifestyle and my mom come walking by because there's a river walk and they see us and they're like, oh my God, Maddie, what happened? <laughs> and me and my brother were shit-faced out of our minds, but we didn't want to tell them that. Yeah. I'm like, Ryan tipped the canoe over (laughs) dude
0: I bet the the combination of all that had you sober real quick there's a cold water like (laughs) like the
1: freezing cold water me almost like I had my shoes on I had literally just gotten a new phone like it had been submerged I was having all types of like just breakdowns mentally I was unhinged but uh ryan like we both were sobered up by that point we're like i can't believe we just did that um and thankfully like this the canoe didn't sink because it was our friends and i was like ain't no way this thing's sinking so i was able to pull it back because literally in the middle of the lake um (laughs) (laughs) it was terrible but we didn't hurt ourselves so there's that
0: yeah it could always be so much worse and especially like in the middle of winter when you have on clothes like Bro, your clothes make you really heavy in the water that's another mm-hmm. scary feeling is if you like fall into water and you're fully clothed mm-mm. that extra weight yeah shit. it's heavy
1: it's like yeah. having a body on you
0: literally oh my gosh all right well uh, we're gonna wrap up this week's episode um i had a blast this one's gonna be long yeah that's okay it is. It is perfectly okay. I think our last solo episode was on the shorter side, so it all works out. But yeah, all right, y'all. That is it for this week. If you don't mind, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. It helps us out a lot. And hmm, what else? Give us a follow on Instagram at the Pilots Pandemic uh i can't think of anything else maddie can you think of anything else
1: just write congress love on uh yeah write congress give us a little love on the on the podcast on apple pods guys if you guys can give us a review that would be awesome because we love to hear from you guys and if you do give us a review and screenshot it and send it to either the Pods pandemic DMs or our Gmail or even me or Emma's personal, then I will send you a postcard and a nice little pilot's pandemic sticker so you guys can have some swag. Um, but also it just helps us get our message out there so that we can tell other pilots' stories and change the air medical system together.
0: You heard the woman. All right, y'all. Again, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us and listening in. As always, keep the blue side up and the brown side down. See y'all next week.